You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. On today's show, we have author Richard Lang. His latest novel, Rovers, is out now on Mulholland Books. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. This is the Solid Dirt Podcast. Okay, great. So I'm here with Richard Lang, and we're here to talk about his latest book, specifically Rovers, which I, I just had the chance to complete and, and, and totally fell in love with it. Um, I was a little, because I haven't read any of your other work yet, and now I'm definitely a fan and I want to read more. So I was a little skeptical at first when I was like, kind of reading um, that, you know, I know we don't use the term vampires in it, but I was like, uh oh, vampires. Um, and I, I totally love this. It was like such a different take and it felt so real. Like this is like a real world, um, like how we would be interacting with this kind of a situation um, had it come, had it be, you know, if it's true. But I just, I love the book. It was such a um, engaging, just, just awesome characters. And uh, I read, I read yeah, I read it pretty quick. Um, but I, I yeah. think a lot of, I think a lot of people are, are going through it super quick. You know, but I always recommend that for all my books that everybody read them twice because I have a tendency to to move things along very quickly and it, wow. and in, it moves readers along quickly. But then you miss a lot of the subtleties that are in there and the, the really hard work that I'm doing. Well, right. all of it's hard work, but there's hard work that people miss. And now you can even go and listen to this is the first one that's had an audible version. Oh, nice. So I listened to I listened to a, some of that and they did a really good job. So you have you know two ways to to do it. Perfect. No, I love audio books too. So I'll definitely get. Um, I'd never I'd never heard one before they recorded. I never have listened to an audio book ever. Yeah. So uh, you know, for me, it was like an amazing new world. Like wow, this yeah. is this is great. But I mean, I don't I don't know how how it would work for you know Faulkner or something. But it, it worked pretty good for mine. No, I've like, it's funny you say that because I was talking to, I've ta actually talked to several writers who have never listened to an audio book before. Um, I've, never, I've never read a book on a computer screen either. That's hard for me still. I, I mean, I, I struggle with that. I've, ha I've had to sometimes if I'm sent a book, they only send me the digital version. Um, so I have a kind of a lightweight Kindle that doesn't mm -hmm. have much of a, a, you know, it's blasting me with light. So that's, that's the best I can do. But even that I have to really yeah. be, um, you know, into the book to be able to like read it on. A I just screen think like I have that. a tendency on screen to scan, you know, you just, mm -hmm. it's like reading an email. You're like, blah, 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 blah. okay. You know, you don't yeah. sit and, and, and concentrate, but you know, I, I still hand write. So uh -huh. I don't even use a, I don't even use a computer, uh, uh, yeah, computer to write. I, I still hand write in notebooks and then, then type it in later at about, you know, draft three, it goes into the, uh, into the computer. Oh, wow. So you do like, you do a couple drafts, like, like handwritten on, on the page. And then I have, I have two notebooks, I two notebooks that I work between. So like, this is the first draft. Then I have to I put it over into, I rewrite it into a second one, which effectively becomes a second draft because I'm editing while I'm doing it. Uh -huh. And I also have to quickly get the first draft down because I write it pretty fast and I have terrible handwriting. And if I don't write it down within a day or two, if I don't put it over into a clearer, a, a slower, clearer one, I won't even be able to read it. I'm yeah. often like agonizing over what the hell was that word <laughs> there, you know? 
Um, that's got to be frustrating. Uh, but I definitely, yeah, I'm going to check out, I have Audible, so I'm going to get the, the audio book. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, audio books have really stepped up their game, I'd, I'd say, in the last few years. And maybe I just wasn't listening to them you know much either because they were so they're being so expensive to buy them on cd so i kind of just never mm. really did um but now with like you know digital stuff it makes it more like manageable yeah. to to get that so um i'll put links to all the stuff in the description for the podcast so people can check out it in any format that they want yeah um but yeah it's so true when you're reading a book that you uh that you really like you you tend to like you're so at least i am like so anxious to keep going like you you do miss stuff because you're like so into it which sounds kind of like against uh, what how it should be but you're so anxious you're just like i can't wait to see what is next so that's a i mean that's plot, a good plot, sign. Driven, plot driven stuff i mean yeah, yeah. you know you, that's that, that's kind of how it works you get caught up in that in that in the book in that level on that level but you know, I like to think that I'm writing on a couple different levels so mm. yeah, I'll you know, say, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I i i i i always tell people read them you know read them twice N nobody ever does but you know it's a <laughs> <laughs> but i tell them to i think i'll i'll read it twice like i, I like to Good. read books twice you know especially ones that i that i enjoy that i that i that i read quickly the first time so right, this is it goes quick anyway yeah. so yeah you know, it does. it's, not, it's yeah. not like having to start over again with like war and peace or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well let me just ask you like the kind of the genesis for the for the idea of rovers because I don't think I've any I've read it anything quite like it. And it was so um so unique and just you know realistic and and also like fantasy and you know it's just so like so many elements were were pulled together so effectively. I'm just kind of curious how yeah, well you, you know I, I uh I, I my first three novels were you know I, I started out in literary like writing sort of quote unquote literary short stories. That was my first collection. And then uh, for my first novel, I wrote a crime novel, which, you know, didn't probably didn't sit so well with my publisher, but they, you know, they, they accepted it. So then uh, that worked pretty well. So my second novel was a crime novel. And then I put out a book, another book of short stories, which didn't sit well with my publisher because they want you to keep doing the same. They want you to if you're writing crime novels, please keep writing crime novels because, you know, that's the audience we're building for you and the audience is finding you. And when you pull a ship, like write another book of literary short stories that, you know, you lose some of your audience, you confuse people. So when I went back and wrote another novel, I wrote another crime novel. And by then I was just kind of I was kind of getting I. A, I didn't have a really great idea for another crime novel, and B, I was just kind of getting burnt on that that format. You know, it seemed like I was starting to maybe fall into. I, I never want to fall into a pattern, so it seemed like I was starting to. Oh, every every story involves people after money, and you know, like mm -hmm. there were these certain tropes that I was seeing start to show up, and I said, I gotta, I want to shake that up a little, and so I had a, I had originally written rovers as a screenplay way back when i got my like 15 years ago or whenever i got my first book contract because i thought like oh now hollywood's gonna come knocking and i gotta have a screenplay to show them so i wrote uh, a version of rovers way back then as a as a screenplay and i was uh, i don't know if you know who harmony corinne is but mm -hmm. he's a film director uh he did gummo and julian okay. donkey boy yeah, yeah. spring breakers Mm -hmm. But he uh, 
like he was he was really hip back then and so i'm like this is the guy he'd be this i'm writing this movie for him but if you've ever seen his movies you know you can't write like a harmony corinne movie they just seem to get made up on the thing so i when i got agents i showed it to them and they were like no this isn't this isn't a good calling card you know do something crimey and you know do you know a pi thing or because they you know they want you to write tv pilots now so uh I uh, put that thing away. And then when I hear it, when I, when it came to this time and I was getting sort of bored with crime and I didn't really have another idea for a crime, but I go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull out. I always knew it was a good idea. The genesis of it was uh, of mice and men, but they're vampires. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the idea that I had in my head when I sat down and wrote the screenplay. When I sat down to do it as a novel, of course, like it changed a lot. The first two chapters of the book, are pretty much like the first scene of the movie. But then after that, everything's very different. You know, there's no uh, biker gang like in the book. There's this gang of, I, I don't call them vampires. I call them fiends. They, they, that's what they call themselves. And uh, so there's this, uh, I mean, uh, I call them rovers. I don't call them vampires. But there's this gang of rovers called, the, they call themselves the fiends. And uh, that wasn't in the screenplay. The father character was a lot different. The father, there's a character in the book who's a father searching for his murdered son. That character, it was a lot different. And then also in a novel, you get to do things like have all these other points of view. You know, I, I could do it in, there's four different points of view in the book and that's stuff you can't do in a movie. So, I mean, I, I made it a novel. I just didn't transcribe my screenplay into a book. I created a completely different thing out of it. And then of course, you know, you tell your your publisher that after you know all these crime novels you're now going to do a vampire book and once again they're like oh man why you know why <laughs> why do you want to do that but you know they were they were good enough to take a chance on it and so uh hopefully you know we'll 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 it'll work out for everybody here nice yeah i i like um I like the publisher that, that I've read a lot of good books on Mulholland. Yeah. Um, so they, they have great stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the point of view, um, the different points of view, the like four, four different um, uh, perspectives kind of we have here and stories, storylines going along. Um, I mean, I'm always really impressed when a writer pulls that off, like very well, which I definitely consider this book. is just like, it, it's, it's awesome. So I, and always just interested in how, like how you approach writing from multiple points of view. Um, do you kind of write in order or do you write one, one character um, like the guy searching for his son? Do you write his yeah, story yeah. all out and then combine it? I'm just always fascinated with no, this. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like just a very straightforward writer when I don't even have outlines. I just sit down. I kind of know, I know the, you know, I kind of know where it starts and, then I have an ending and, you know, that's how it worked for the crime books. I would come up with some super simple plot, like, okay, this is going to be a, an angel baby. My second novel, I, I said, it's going to be a chase that begins at the first page of the book and ends on the last page of the book, because I, I don't really like plotting. That's not the most interesting thing for me. So I just like to find something very basic to hang the book on. And then I can go in and do, what's all the interesting stuff for me, which is like, you know, creating characters, you know, writing the, the setting the milieu, uh, getting obsessed about weird shit. Like in this book, I got 
I, I got to research uh, children's show hosts because the one of the characters is obsessed with children's show yeah, hosts, yeah. and uh, I got to go in very deep into old Phoenix, like what Phoenix was like. So when I'm writing books, though, that was the interesting part for me, doing the research and uh, and stuff like that, not trying to to work out this plot. So I choose a, a, a simple plot, but uh, yeah. So I sit down at the beginning and and just go through it. In this case, you know, I sat down and wrote the first thing, and then I'd never intended to have Edgar, uh, who is the uh, the mental. He's it's two brothers. One of them is mentally challenged. He's basically like the uh, Lenny of the of mice and men team, and uh, so he's mentally challenged guy. And I never intended to be tell tell the story, part of the story, from his perspective. But it just, you know, just hit me. I'll try this. You know, it, 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 it worked out in that first segment of his. And it also served a really important purpose because uh, if I wouldn't have done that, he would have just been a character that was perceived by other people. You would have never understood that, in fact, he has this in incredible interior life that's going on and all of his own obsessions, and which are, you know, mainly my obsessions. But he, uh, <laughs> he has all these, uh, you know, things that he's concerned about. He has feelings about what's going, what's happening to him in the world. He's not just this hulking, you know, uh, man boy figure, you know, super strong man boy figure. There's he becomes a real character through these uh, the, the parts of the book that he narrates. So that turned out to be an unexpected, uh, you know, a benefit. And then another segment of the book is narrated uh, when it came time to write the father. You know, I I. I'd already done that with, with him. And so I go, well, you know what? I, and I kind of already had an idea I was going to do this because the original Dracula is, uh, it, I don't know if you've ever read it, the Bram Stoker Dracula uh -huh. is an epistolary novel. It's told through letters, diary entries, entirely through the letters, diary entries, newspaper articles, things like that. So by taking this, having this one character and uh, he's writing a, sort of a diary or a long letter to his wife. Uh, uh, and that's what that's his perspective on the story is set down like that in his voice. It was a way to pay homage to the original, the original book. And also just it, once again, it just seemed to to work uh, because then he was able to articulate a lot of things that I wouldn't have really been able to get at in third person without I don't know, getting schmaltzy or something. It was. Mm -hmm. it, it seemed to work better coming out of his, his, his mouth. And so, uh, yeah, that was you know basically. Then I went back to third person for the bikers, but I tried to keep it. A, it's. It, I don't know if anybody will notice it, but it has a different tone and rhythm. It's more. It's more like this exploitation movie style thing mm -hmm. that I was uh, trying to. That was kind of exploitation movies were kind of an influence as I was writing this, and so uh, that. That, that's kind of my homage to that by having this biker gang that was invented for the novel of, well, I mean, that wasn't in the screenplay. And so, you know, they're the, the big, the big bads, but like I said, it's once again, it's just a simple story. It's just a revenge story. Uh, you know, someone does someone bad and then that person gets revenge on them. That's the simplest story in the world. Like could have taken place. It could have been a Western. It could have taken place, you know, in 1930s gangsters. It just so happened that, I made it in 1976 with a bunch of vampires running around and, and having this happen. It's not, my vampire story is not a, you know, a, a typical vampire story. It's more like a, a revenge thriller with vampires as characters. 
Yeah, no, it, it's so true. Like I, and I, um, that's, that's cool that it was, you know, initially a, an idea for a film. Cause it's like reading this, the thought I came you know, upon was like, this is like four different movies in this book <laughs> that all connect. This is like an anthology. I mean, I loved it. And I loved like, um, you know, you, you just, you talked about, um, the, the, the mentally challenged brother, um, and written from his perspective that those are some of my favorite parts yeah. of the book. Just like, um, it was Mine so too. fascinating. Like, yeah, just getting into his head and, and how it's like kind of, kind of flipping the of mice and men narrative, you know, um, that's, and you can get a little, you know, you, you can get, you can get a little more poetic in those chapters. You don't have to write this straightforward realism. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it's influenced a lot by uh, Benji Thompson from uh, Sound and the Fury and Faulkner. Uh, if you've ever read it, mm-hmm. he has chapters in that book that are narrated through the eyes, not like directly narrated by uh, the, the mentally challenged character, but through the eyes of the mentally challenged character. So that was certainly, uh, you know, uh, uh, an influence on this. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, everything I read or, or write or see is an influence on everything I do. So like, you know, it's got Faulkner in it. It's got, you know, Aloha, Bobby and Rose, this 19, this movie from 76 that I really I love. Uh, and like a lot of those drive in, I, I really love these drive in tragedies from the early to, to mid late seventies, I guess that, you know, I was growing up then and would see these films and they were very uh, operatic and emotional and violent in their own way. And, so that 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 really worked its way into uh, into the time intentionally into the telling of the story. But yeah, like I say, I mean, every, it, it, there's so many influences in this book that, that uh, it's hard to pinpoint them all. People ask, and I have like a long list of things. <laughs> but it also is every you know when I'm writing, I'm putting in stuff that I see every day when I walk out of the house. So mm-hmm. my books become like diaries for me. Because I can remember the exact day I wrote, you know, this certain scene and why I wrote that the sunlight looked like that. Because that day when I went outside, I saw, oh, hey, look at the sun there, you know, so put it into the book. And so I, I, you know, they they end up being little little diaries for me in a way uh, uh, of the time while I was writing the book. So, you know, like there's just many different things come into play when when I'm writing my books and not having an outline, I'm able to just follow follow those things and see what happens. Yeah. I got kind of, um, it makes me think of the, the Richard Stark books. Mm. Um, and you know, I, Jonathan Ames mentions those a lot in interviews. So I, I always, you know, I kind of get into them. And, mm-hmm. um, so the, the, the writer, he said it's something he doesn't, he didn't outline. He said, he just tells himself a little bit of the story each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just love that, you know? Um, I mean, it, I, it, for me, it works. Maybe for some people it doesn't, but, yeah. uh, you know, I seem to be able to, to corral when i when i used to write short stories i mean i'll maybe i'll do it again someday if they pay me but uh (laughs) they don't sell everybody says they love short stories and then and and they never buy the books so but uh uh when i used to do short stories they would they were much they had like basically no plots and they were just sort of these series of scenes i would sit down and just start writing these different scenes, I've probably I've had a character in mind, especially in my first book, Dead Boys. All the stories are first person narration by the, the, the it's 13 stories. So 13 different characters who kind of blend into one character after a while. It's this, it's this certain kind of L.A. person. But um, 
I, I just do these, I just come up with these scenes. And then at the end, I'd kind of have to go back and go, all right, now I have to figure out some, there I added the, I added the arc afterwards. I would say like, okay, what, what, what reoccurs in this? What can I make? You know, I hate the word theme because, you know, I don't write thematically, but people like themes. So, you, you know, I'd say, look, this repeats once. So if I repeat that here, suddenly that becomes the theme for the readers that like themes. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, it was a matter of constructing backwards on those. So that was a, you know, an interesting experiment. Yeah. One thing I do love about the book, like having the different perspectives is just like the, the, the rhythm of it changes. So it's like, you, you have all these different, you get like in the zone of, of somebody and then it's like, you get to know them and then it kind of steps away from them for, for a bit. And then you, you know, you go into another um, rhythm. So you, after reading a few of them, you start to get, you know, you get to know the characters and it's like, you really kind of anticipate and it's, it, it shifts your. Well, that, that's, that was the hardest part about the book was the, yeah. the actual structure because you probably didn't notice this, you know, but uh, it, the, there are four narrators and they come in the same order all the time. You never jump from, you know, Oh wow! The, so, so fitting it together, fitting the story together, having this, I have, you know, I always like to challenge myself when I'm doing a book, like in a number of ways. And one of the challenges on this was a, I wasn't going to use vampires and I failed in that. I had to, I had to use the word vampire because you can't tell this story and have two people talking about, people who drink blood and live at night and, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, can regenerate, can, uh, you know, if you, they, they can heal themselves. You can't really do that without acting like nobody's seen Dracula or, you know, uh, knows what a vampire is. So I failed at that, but and I actually ended up failing at the, the other challenge, which was putting those, keeping those chapters in order because the chapters, you know, there's a uh, one brother narrates, then the mentally challenged brother narrates, then there's, the uh, father searching for his son, and then there's a biker chapter. And that's the order at the beginning, four chapters, and it repeats itself eight times through the book. So it's these these four. Yeah. So I, I managed, like, after, it was really hard to fit all that together and figure out where to cut and how far back to go to catch up people up and how much do I have to show when two characters are at the same scene, how much do I have to show through their, you know, technical stuff like that. But I, I really, I, I worked on it, worked on it, got it perfect, then got to the end and then let my wife read it. And she said, you know, that's not the ending. The end, the original ending, it ended uh, at the end of the, uh, I don't know, it ended with, with some vampires in Italy. And uh, you, you read the book, so you know. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. where it ended. But my wife said, it really ends with the ending that you actually read with the one brother. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back and violate my whole structure and cut out like half of his last, cha last chapter and bring it to the end and put it after that, which it, it, it violated the whole structure. It ruined it, but it actually made the book great. And because I hadn't even thought like, Jesus, this is a mirror of the, you know, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> this is a mirror of the first scene where he's dreaming, you know, the very first scene in the book, the yeah. end is, and like, Oh, this is, this is perfect. I'm brilliant. But you know, it's actually my wife's <laughs> suggestion, but you know, I, I, I should let more people read. I don't let anybody read my books until I'm, until they're published mm -hmm. besides my agent that goes to my agent and goes to my editor. And that's it. Like I never let people read the books. And I'm just, I'm like, 
embarrassed or I'm afraid they're going to say something that's going to like ruin the book for me and I won't even be able to deal with all the stuff that comes after. I, I, but I do let my wife read them. And, you know, usually our agreement is all you have to say is it's great. It's great. That's all you have. That's all I require of you. Whatever you think, just say it's great. And so uh, this time she, you know, she always has some kind of suggestions, but this time was a really good suggestion she made that improved the book. So I'm now thinking maybe I should have more people read. I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to, that'd be, that'd be difficult, but who knows how good my books could be if other people, you know, gave me great ideas. <laughs> well, no, the, the great thing about like, if you've been married a while, it's like, they're going to just tell you like it is, you know what I mean? And they, they know, um, you know, hopefully they're, they're you know, I, well, she, she knows I need to be handled with kid gloves. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I, 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 I get real like freaked out about the whole, you know, the people seeing it and like people, someone can say one thing, you know, I get pissed if I go on like Goodreads and people who are my friends have given the book four stars. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You're not my friend. You know, my friends give books five, my books, five stars. I don't care what you think, you know, like I would never give your book four stars. So, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm sensitive about stuff like that. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, the ending is awesome. Like I, I was just so, so yeah, tell your wife. That yeah, was incredible. Because I, good she's she's a much better. She reads much more than me, and and uh, turns me on to great books all the time. Because you know, I'm just I kind of get in a rut, and I read odd stuff, and she sort of keeps up a little more than I do, and and like uh, actually tries to read like has a, a map and reads world literature and puts pins. And so like, Oh, here's a book from Egypt. You might like, I'm That's like, cool. I didn't ever found that. So, yeah. and you know, they're, and, and we have similar tastes. So I usually, you know, nine times out of 10, I think they're great too. Yeah. That's great. And, well, speaking of books, have you read anything recently that you've, you've kind of been into? You know, I've been, uh, I, I, it's been a busy time right now. So I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. That's uh that's really caught my attention. I, I did read a book by, uh, hold on, let me look back here. Um, I might recently read up. I just read, uh, I read Ames new book, uh, which I really liked uh, a man named yeah. doll. You were just talking about yeah, well, that's, that's great. I've read that. So that's a book I've read, um, twice. And then I listened uh, to the audio book after, cause it's such a, it's, it's short. Yeah. And it's it's a great book. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. It kind of reminded me of a uh, of a uh, oh Infinite Vice a little bit, mm -hmm. but like better for me because it wasn't as as uh, much of a pair, you know, as much of a satire. It was a little more uh, down to earth. But I've been for some reason we ended up doing it, some stuff together about his book, my book, you know, things like that. And uh, so I've gotten to get to know him uh, a, a little bit through the course of this book and. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a really good book and it it represents him, you know, it's certain parts of him really well. I think it's a it, it was a fun read and I I'm not a big huge PI fan because I just that the format of a guy going to interview someone, you know, these whole books that are just a series of they turn out a lot of times they turn out to be just a series of conversations mm -hmm. with like one or two scenes where he gets knocked on the head and like they it, it just it it's too formulaic for me but this one really got me and uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it pulled me along. I, I, I thought he did a good job. Yeah. I'm excited for the, um, 
the series because that, that last part the last chapter in the book is the yeah. first chapter of the new book so of the next one yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out um yeah hopefully in the spring i don't know um uh, yeah. the best book i read in a long time is uh is uh by uh oh shit no one get by zola and it's called i gotta try to find it here Oh, it's uh, La Bête Humaine. Uh, it's about the human animal, and what? it's about uh, the human animal. It's called yeah, okay. the La Bête Humaine, and it's uh, like this crazy story set in the early days of you know all of his books have something to do with with uh, some element of French society in about eighteen between eighteen forty and eighteen eighty. He wrote like twenty books about this one family and. This one is all about trains and uh, a murder that takes place. It's kind of it's a it's basically crime fiction, but it's set in a at a train depot in Paris in the 1880s. And, you know, it's 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 a really great book. I mean, that's the people I try to steal from. I don't go stealing from any of my contemporaries. You know, I, I barely read uh, modern books, but the best stuff is to go back and steal from people like Zola and people don't even know you're like, you know, you got the greatest stuff in the world here. You know, the, he, he, he was just, uh, he, he brought, he made every, he was really interested in the down and like kind of the same level of society that I write about the same side of society. I wouldn't call it a level. I would call it a side because there are rich people that go over to that side too, but like the darker end of the darker, the darker side of the spectrum and uh, he did a really great job. And he also, every book you read, you learn something about some element, you know, like trying, I know more about, you know, steam trains in the 1860s than I ever thought. Anyway, he did another one uh, uh, about mining. Uh, it, it was really good. I think it's called German all. And uh, it's about uh, mining. And so you learn all about mining in you know, the 1890s and, yeah, uh, he's he, uh, he did one about farming at that time. So you learn all about what farming was like because he he was also a, like a researcher too. Which I'm that's one thing I'm always interested in in my books. I told you I've mentioned that I like to do a lot of research. A because uh, you know it's a good way not to have to write. I can uh, I can spend a whole day looking up the history of Phoenix and you know call it work. But uh, B I just like you know it's a way to learn new stuff and to you know keep 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 things fresh and also have a real like a, a a fetish about like everything in my book should actually exist in the real world so if i write something it actually has to be there and it used to be that i actually had to go stand there and see it i've gotten better on that because i wrote about afghanistan in my in my last novel the smack and i obviously couldn't get to afghanistan but but uh and in, in fact, Phoenix in this book, I've never actually been to Phoenix at all. Oh, wow. I've been to Tucson, but I just did a lot of research. Careful I grew up in me. Bakersfield. I figured yeah. it can't be that different yeah. from <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, Bakersfield. Yeah. And, uh, right. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was also the 70s. So if I didn't get it quite accurate, I could always say, well, that was that was there when you were there. But but I ended up being getting super accurate. I did an interview with a guy who grew up in Phoenix, and he's like, man, when did you live here and how did you know all this stuff? And I'm like, eh, you know, the internet's great. You know, I, mean, it's like, I can spend hours doing that stuff. But that's another thing I like about Zola is that this kind of research. And I have a, I have a lot of journalists who are fans of mine and they always ask, do you have a journalistic background? And I'm like, no, but I'm just, 
I like to research. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. I love when you can read a novel and like, you feel like you're learning yeah, stuff you're getting too. Smarter. and it's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I love that. So let me ask you, um, I, I, I like asking authors about kind of this last year and a half and how, you know, the pandemic has, you know, it's impacted all of us on some level, but as far as like creative work, um, I've talked to people where it's kind of split almost where some people, they were like, well, didn't, you know, this is kind of how I lived my life anyways, just kind of by myself, sol- you know, solitude and, and writing. Um, so it was actually, you know, if you also get it from a strictly artistic point of view, they were able to kind of get more work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other people kind of just hit a wall. Um, and then, you know, of course, in between, but I talked to a lot of people who were just like, they, they, they struggled writing a page or a word, you know what yeah. I mean? So I'm just kind of curious, how, like your experience this last year and a half, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, you know, I, I'm probably one of those people that it didn't change my life that much because I, I have been lucky enough to write, I write for a living now. So, you know, for the last 15 years or so. And, uh, so I work out of the house all day. I never see anybody, I, I you know, I don't wear pants normally, you know, all week <laughs> long. So it's, you know, except when I walk the dog. And so, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm used to that. It, 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 you know, of course, it upset things like I, I work out and so I couldn't go to the gym and, uh, you know, I we used to go to the movies a lot. You couldn't do that. So those those things kind of uh, got screwed up. Uh, the other aspects of life, uh, travel, you know, we used to always we'd always be going somewhere, you know, here and there. And uh, then I also had my wife home because they shut her office. But luckily, we had built a small guest house office thing in back right before the pandemic. So she kind of just moved out there and, and set up her, her office in the, out there so she could uh, work. Cause I, we always wondered like, shit, what about if we, we retire and we up that we have a pretty small house and it's like, and if I hear a noise or something, I start like getting all distracted. So, I mean, well, certain noises, I mean, I can hear, they're, they're building a house next to my house. So I can hear that and it doesn't really bother me that much. But if, if I hear her walking around or something, I start getting like nervous. And so, uh, but luckily now we have this guest house and we've had practice. So we know how, how, how it'll work when, well, you know, thanks to COVID, but, uh, yeah, I don't, my, my life has been, and I, you know, I, I've always written on a real schedule. Uh, you know, I get up and put in, you know, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, an hour at night. And, you know, I, I worked a nine to five job until I was, you know, 45 years old. So I, from, you know, I worked in the time I was 14 till I was 45, like continuously. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, uh, I, 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 I just, when I, when I actually got to quit and do and write full time, I was, I did, I was a little worried, like, well, what will I do? Will I just start drinking beer all day? Like, will I not, <laughs> you know, will I not uh, do it? But it just kind of clicked in and, you know, I wanted to make it work. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm semi-ambitious. I mean, I have to make a living. And so I, I, I sat down and made my, and just kind of reworked my, my work schedule into this and have stuck to it all along. I mean, all that training at the nine to five just got me into this, this rhythm. And then I, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, I hang out with my wife. I don't work on those days. So I've got it into like a real working man's schedule. So COVID didn't, you know, yeah. 
we didn't shut down the office around here, you know, at Rich Lang Incorporated. We just, <laughs> we kept working, you know, you had to wear a mask, but, but uh, you know, we kept working. I love that. I love, I love the schedule. Um, I am. So I'm kind of curious about when you were, when you were working at nine to five. So you were, I'm sure you were writing as well. So um, how were you able to kind of fit in both worlds? Like you're, you're working full time, probably come home tired. Um, you have a family. Yeah, my my story was I, uh, you know, I I started out uh, as a copy editor at Larry Flint uh, Publications back when he uh, back in the eighties, and like within a year of that, I became managing editor of he had a heavy metal music magazine called Rip, so I became managing editor of this heavy metal music magazine, which means managing editor means you sit there and you you take all the stories from all the writers, you edit them all put them together. You work with the art, at least in this job, it was like a three man magazine. There's the editor who goes and golfs with, you know, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. <laughs> there's me who stays in the office all day and does the work. And then there's, you know, the reporters and the people that bring in the copy. And then you work with the art department. So you basically coordinate the production, but I was doing no writing. I never have had a writing job mm. before, uh, being a writer I, uh, because I didn't, I, I was, I would go home and work on fiction, you know, for like an hour or two. And I, once I settled down, you know, about when I got, I got to be about 25, 30, I settled down, you know, it wasn't like bars every night anymore. And well, you know, it's every other night, but I would, uh, I would, uh, I would come home and work for one or two hours on this. And then as I got older, I got into my thirties, it became a really rigid thing. I mean, five nights a week, I wouldn't go out with my buddies anymore I, because I, I got a story published and I began to see, oh, this is possible that I could do this. So I always had these jobs in publishing. After I left RIP, I went and started working for a, another magazine, a weekly. But once again, I didn't write. I just was a managing editor, coordinator, just put stuff together and edited people. The greatest... Uh, skill that gave you me was editing because I became a great editor like of my own work. I I had to take people like DJs and rock bands and make their copy readable, you know, for for the average reader. And I learned a lot about structuring and getting rid of fat and it all bled over. That all bled over into into you know how I edit my own manuscripts. To this day, you know, the my copy editors I work with on the books, they all say like you have the cleanest manuscripts I've ever, I've ever seen because I just, I, I, it's a skill I picked up along the way from Larry Flint. Yeah. That's <laughs> who'd have thought that's, that's incredible. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing that you, you, first of all, you have that experience, that career. Um, that's incredible. I'd love to hear more about that another time, but um, I've got stories. Sure, that's another, that's a book right there. Um, <laughs> but I love that you could pull directly from your, um, your career and not like that put you kind of a leg yeah, I mean, up. You, you, you know, you come home tired after work, you know, mm -hmm. you are tired. I mean, you're, you're beat. I mean, you know, putting in your time and I would commute every day, an hour from my house in, I live in the Echo Park area of Silver Lake all the way to Century mm -hmm. City and back. And, you know, it does, so that takes a couple hours out of your day. And, you know, you just have to, I, you know, if you're really driven, I mean, if, if, if that's what you've decided you're going to do and that's your, you know, your goal, you, you, you'll do it. You know, you just come home and you do it. And I mean, I, 
when I was sending out those first stories, I was, they would get rejected 20 times before they'd get published. You know, I think the first story that I ever published had been rejected, you know, 15 times from 15 different little literary journals that don't even pay you money. They just pay you in copies and they're, you know, they're rejecting you. And this was back in the day when you couldn't double, you was a big sin to double submit. You couldn't submit the story to two places. I think that's fallen away now. I know when the stories for the second book, it, they'd started, you could do, uh, you know, uh, electronic submissions. And I would just send them out to, you know, 10 magazines at a time. I forget that. I don't care if they get, you know, some college kid gets pissed off because I submitted it to another place. And he took six months to get, they would, they would literally take six months oh. to get back to you. And you couldn't send it to anybody else. So... If you imagine you sent out a story 15 times, that could be five years yeah, that's you know, <laughs> of, of, of the story going out. Like, you know, it, uh, it wouldn't even be relevant anymore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that, that was how, uh, how it started with me. But every time I got those stories back, I would work on them, edit them down a little more, get them down. And finally, after many, many tries, I think I got my first story published when I was about 33 or so something in, a, in one of these little magazines that paid you in three copies. But at that point, like it suddenly, like I said, became sort of serious for me. Like, I'm like, Oh shit, here's someone I don't know. Uh, you know, out of like out of the blue somewhere, I had no credits. I think I made up earlier publications, made up magazines on the little, <laughs> like three little magazines that, you know, but this was pretty much pre-internet. So they couldn't check and uh, it, it got published. And so then I had that credit. Then, you, you know, it, it, it really is once you got one published, more got published. And then, you know, I did that for 10 years, sending out stories and getting rejected and finally built up enough for a collection and then someone contacted me. So yeah, it's worked out. Uh, it's worked out pretty good. I've been, you know, very lucky, but you know, you gotta be prepared when the chances come. Uh, it's not just dumb luck. Sure. Yeah. It's like the, you put in the work and you, and you just keep plugging away and, that's that's awesome to hear. I love that. I love that. Um, let me see. What was what else I was going to ask you? I don't. Um, I'm like I'm always interested. So you probably were a big reader, or I'm curious if you were a big reader when you were a kid and um, kind of come up into your teens and early twenties. Uh, like yeah, I was. Like, uh, I, I read this? it as a kid. I was. Uh, I you know I, I remember writing little stories when I was in like third grade. You know about. World War One. I. I was obsessed with World War One for some reason, and, but then it was World War Two. Then the, I was like, I was really into war when I was a kid. War stories, mm -hmm. and then uh, I got into science comic books, big and the science fiction. I read a lot of science fiction, uh, in like mostly science fiction. I got really into Doc Savage for a while and read a bunch of those. A lot of the pulp stuff, uh, John Carter, Warrior of Mars, all the Burroughs stuff. You know, you know, kids, kids like series books where you can conquer like a series. Yeah, so for sure. that was a thing that I was kind of into was having all the, you know, the, the, the books. Up. But then, uh, you know, I was about, I would say 1976 was like a, a big year for me because uh, I, uh, that was the year I, I saw Taxi Driver. I, I uh, heard like a Bruce Springsteen record and then I read On the Road. And like suddenly, like it was like a like it changed everything. Like I'm like, oh shit! You can tell stories that aren't about space and you know monsters and stuff like that, and 
and they and they're just as compelling as as those stories. They're, it suddenly had, I'd grown into it or whatever, you know. So at 14, 15, when I read that book, it just changed everything. Then I got really into Hemingway and Steinbeck. I started reading like straight literature. And I never read science fiction or horror again, which is weird that now I'm writing a vampire novel because, I mean, I read some Stephen King in high school and, and stuff, but nothing since like I came to college. You know, it's just all been straight literature uh, all the way down the line. You know, some crime books. Elmore Leonard, I consider him literature. So I'm going to, you know, I'll keep it. <laughs> I, do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's one of my biggest influences, like in every, in, you know, even though I've, even even when I was writing literary short stories, he was still a huge influence on, on that. And he was certainly an influence on my crime books. And I just think he had a, 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 a his rhythms and his ears of de- his ear. They've definitely like bled over into my stuff. And so, uh, yeah, and I just I, I, you know, then I was in college and I was reading all the college stuff but. Raymond Carver was huge when I was uh, coming up. He was a, 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 the big author at that time. And so, uh, or a big author for me anyway. And I, and I discovered Bukowski. And so all these guys, these short, these guys were adding into, you know, the beat stuff and, and, and then the, the little, the little crime influences I had and everything just started, you know, all swirled up. Like I said, every little thing influenced everything else. And, it took me a long time. Like I said, it took me till I was like 32 or 33 to develop a voice. Like but at that point, when I published that story, I threw away every other story I'd written before it. Mm. I said, okay, this is the one that has the voice that I got to, you know, this is the, the thing. And at the point I published my first book of short stories, there was 13 stories in it. That was all the stories I had. I had no more. I emptied the drawer. Oh, wow. And I was done. And so, you know, and I went to write the second book of short stories. I had to start all over and, and write. All, none of those stories were holdovers or old things or, or anything like that. It was just I had to be to to begin again. So, yeah, it's like writing the second yeah. album, right? For a musician. Yeah, well, I had to write a novel, which was even worse. I never <laughs> planned to do that. You know, I, I, they, they wouldn't give me a two book deal unless I had a novel. Mm. So I had to sit and like I had to sit down and like go, well, I never. I never thought I'd have a book of short stories, much less, you know, because it had been 10 years and I, I, nobody noticed me in 10 years of publishing these stories. I'd been in best American mystery stories once, you know, and nobody ever contacted me. Nobody, no agents, you know, and I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to be a guy writing these short stories as a hobby. And, you know, I had a job and, you know, a happy life. And, uh, and uh, so I'm like, that, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, my early forties, all this stuff started happening and it ended up in this two book deal, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't take the book of short stories unless they had a novel attached. So I had to, suddenly I was faced with the predicament of having to write a novel and learning how to do that. And I tried when I was in my twenties, I wrote a really terrible like crime novel that I didn't even send out. It was just, I, I put it in a drawer and went back to writing short stories because I figured if nobody's going to pay me for this, I can just, I'm going to work on the things that, that I like most. I, I, back then, I really loved short stories. I like short stories the most. And there are things I'm able to do after a day at work. It just seemed impossible to write a novel after a day at work, yeah. whereas I could come home and contemplate writing a, a, a short story. So, yeah, that was the, that's how that all worked out. That's interesting. So you're probably like, did they put you on like a, a year to write the novel um, when that deal was made? 
Yeah, I think I had a, uh, I think I got two years. I told him I'd need two years because I'd never done it before. And uh, it was really weird because I had written a third of a novel to send out with the book, with the uh, book of short stories. And they all wanted this, the, there were the big publishing houses. They all wanted the short stories, but they hated the first third of the novel that I'd written. <laughs> and so uh, but my agent said, well, just come up with another idea and we'll pitch it to him on the phone. You'll just do it off a pitch. And I'm like, okay. So the, meanwhile, they're having this bidding war over the short story book. And then when I say I have a novel, I have to get on and talk to like the heads of the publishing companies at that time. I, it was even above the editors. It was like the heads and, you know, I'd have to tell them the idea for what became, uh, this wicked world, which was my first novel. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's about, you know, counterfeiting and dogfighting in the desert. And they're like, okay, that sounds crimey. You know, it sounds like <laughs> something that'll sell. It's not like, you know, it's not a vampire book. So, uh, they, you know, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they went for it on a pitch and then I had to write it. I literally had not written a line of the novel. I hadn't even written a, 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 a paragraph outline or anything. I just had this phone pitch that I'd done, which was so loose that I could do whatever I wanted, but it ended up working out, you know, it's, uh, right. you know, I, I picked a, a very loose structure. Uh, a person dies at the beginning and you find out who did it at the end, picked a loose structure and then laid everything else on top of it that I wanted to, to write about, which was really, I was, I re did a lot of research on dog fighting. I did a lot of research on counterfeiting. So those are the things that, you know, the, the fun parts for me. And uh, it seemed to work out. It was good to have that structure because like I said, when I wrote short stories, I didn't have a lot of structure. By having that structure, it sort of pulled me along, and it was an established structure. You know, it was like tracks were already laid, so all I had to do was sort of, I knew the scenes I needed to get along the way, and then it made it easier to do to do something that seemed impossible in the beginning, to, to actually write a novel. That's great. That's that's incredible. Um, I can't wait. I'm so excited to go back and read your your other work because I like I said I did love rovers so much so I'm excited to to jump back and then the more I like you know I'm following you online now and like uh, other writers that I really respect are mentioning you and then you get a, you got a shout out from Stephen King on Twitter did yeah, you? isn't that crazy man <laughs> that's I mean awesome. that's like I was like I was in a, on vacation in Alaska and uh, I like woke up one morning and was like whoa look at this you know to my wife like I can't believe it and yeah I that was amazing. And let me tell you, it spikes sales better than any New York Times. I've had my books reviewed, you know, all yeah. of them in the New York Times and spikes sales way more than a, than a New York Times review. So and I'm that's, super oh, that's grateful great. to him. I don't, you know, I don't know how he found it or how he got it. But uh, but yeah, that's that that was amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Congratulations. That's that's incredible. He called it the best vampire novel since Let the Right One In. So that's, I want to make I mean, sure I get that. I want to make sure I get that into this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Go and, buy um, it. You go buy it. Stephen King loves it, and <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that kind of praise. That's that's right. Uh, you can't buy it. You can't beat it. That's incredible. Uh, well, Richard, thank you so much for taking this hour to to speak with me. This was a blast, and um, I loved hearing your story and you know talking about the book. And I'm, I'm just like I said, I'm so stoked to jump into your your previous work. Yeah. Uh, so th yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for for spending time. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, man.